the McVay window being slammed shut as we speak. And that takes care of talking about delusional. Oh no, that window is shut. It's slammed shut. I helped board that baby up myself. Put the nails in and everything I did it here at Swipe Right Sports. It is your sports pod hookup. I'm your host, Bobby Adcock. And look, I have to emphasize that because, frankly, it's all I have left. I can't pick a game in the Power Five to save my life. Michigan State football is redefining where rock bottom can be with every snap of their football season. And the Lions are, they're, whatever, they're the Lions. They're not really worth even mentioning at this point. So, yeah, my falls just already at mid-November. The weekends are pretty much relegated to my college football DFS Saturdays. And clinging to my Rams narrative. And then there's my Oakland Raiders who are scheduled for their sixth win of the season against Cincinnati on Sunday to get to the close, one one more closer to my seven that was predicted earlier this season. So that's that's all I got. That's all I got left. All of that and more uh, we will expand on with the pick segment where I bring the doctor in every week. First, as always, we start with the aforementioned college football DFS segment. This week, a little bit different. I'm just going to go through a preview of the night contest on DraftKings um, because I am out of town this weekend and I don't have the time quite to put the effort into a quality writing piece. So I'm going to talk about it. After that, we start the pig segment. I think we do about, we're doing about six games in college, I think, in 13 in the NFL. So a big board, as always. Um, plenty to do. Let's get going. Welcome in to the college football DFS segment. Just a little bit of housekeeping before we get started. Each week, I write uh, two previews for the DraftKings contest on fakepigskin.com. I do one for the day contest and one for the night contest. Usually drop on Friday afternoon and Saturday morning-ish. Uh, depending on what's going on. Now, this week, a little bit different. I uh, just had kind of a busier week and I'm out of town this weekend for a bachelor party and will not be in any shape to coherently write anything. So, with that said, I am going to here do a preview of this week's night contest on DraftKings and uh, I will post this as well on fakepigskin.com um, and we will go from there. So no writing just here on the pod. And let's talk about that night contest now. Um, we have a seven-game board. Let's just rattle through these real quickly and look at the Vegas lines and totals. Oklahoma at Baylor. Lots of interest in that, I'm sure. Line 10 and 67 and a half. LSU at Ole Miss, 21 and 65 and a half. Always a team to be targeting that those, uh, those Tigers in that offense. Arizona State at Oregon State. Arizona State is minus two and a half, over under 57. Appalachian State and Georgia State. App State minus 17, over under 62. 
kind of a new new uh, not new team but a new I think a Sun Belt matchup in there where we usually don't have just uh, one conference game from them so that's uh, you know new new kids in town um, UCLA at Utah Utah minus 21 and a half over under 52 South Carolina at Texas A&M Texas A&M minus 11 over under 50 and a half and then Cincy always the American Athletic Conference game Cincy at USF South Florida Cincy's minus 14 over under 47 so let's kind of take a look at some targets that I'm looking at overall in that contest and the first one is Josh Fleeks wide receiver for Baylor he is 4600 and uh Look, the obvious reasons, right? Uh, the matchup. There's going to be a lot of intrigue in that game, as there always is with Oklahoma games. And you know, last week I went with uh, Deshante Jones in that game, kind of thinking something similar. It didn't work out just because uh, I think he maybe he maybe had to lead the game a little bit. But uh, in general, they were spraying the ball around a lot. But either way, if you invested in that offense and Brock Purdy, the quarterback, especially. This is kind of like becoming a Kansas City Chiefs-like uh, defensive thing with the Sooners. They they can get out to big leads on everybody, but they're just going to have trouble keeping them because that defense can't stop anybody. You know, Iowa State was down, I think, 21 points right at the start of the fourth quarter and was able to get all the way back to a point where they had a two-point conversion attempt to win the game. So, um, look, if you played that, game and just kind of uh, revolved your your night around that game with trying to stack Hurts, Lamb, Purdy, maybe Brees Hall, maybe Tariq Milton instead of Deshaunta Jones. Chances are if you have the two quarterbacks, uh, you had a really good night. I think they both had either near or above 50 points. So yeah, going back to Fleeks now. Again, he's a, a very reasonably placed, priced receiver in that game. Um, he's just starting to get a little bit more involved in the offense. Had a season-high six catches uh, last week against TCU for 42 yards. Bottom line is, this is going to be back and forth. I think Baylor will be able to move the ball. And uh, they have competent quarterback, play with Charlie Brewer. I, I like him. I think he's, maybe not, I don't, maybe not like him as good as Brock Purdy, but uh, I think he's in, I think he's eaten at that dinner table. So, uh, yeah, I like Fleeks at the 4,600. A nice building block piece. He should have a nice floor and a reasonable upside in a game that should have all kinds of points. So we'll start off there with him. After that, I really think this is a board where you don't... There, there isn't a big need to spend up at running back for some of these guys like Zach Moss, you know, Benjamin, um, even Darrington Evans for Appalachian State. I know that... Uh, you know, they have good roles and everything, but it's just, I think there's value here uh, at the running back position. And it starts with C-E-H, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, who, if you've been reading me at all, all season long, I've been talking about the value on this guy. His price still, uh, we're in that $6,300 range, that average price, way undervalued here. I mean, he should be up around seven, if not 75. He has the role. He's in a fantastic offense with probably the best or not one or two of the best quarterbacks in the nation. And look, he's proven the ability to be that workhorse role. He's heavily involved in the passing game, had, I think, 
nine and seven catches the last two games, and they've shown that hey, they'll they'll involve him, that they'll rely on him in both ways. Uh, and he's going to get probably in any game where they're relatively competitive. Uh, he's looking at you know 20, 25, upwards of thirty touches. So um, yeah, look that price, that role, and the upside that he comes with every week in that offense. Uh, yeah. I'm all the way in on CEH. I think it's kind of a no-brainer, especially when you're considering like, you know, over like Zach Moss or Michael Warren from Cincy. I just, I don't think you need to spend that money on those guys. Save a little bit there. Stick with them. I also like at that position, um, the Kennedy Brooks factor with Trey Sermon now being out for the season. Finally, maybe some clarity for that backfield. Um, and there's good value. He's, he's at $5,600. And if you have someone who is a you know Clyde Edwards-Hilaire role in that backfield for Oklahoma, uh, who potentially could be Kennedy Brooks, that's tons of value right there. Tons of upside as well. In last week, when they did have Trey Summer go out, it was Kennedy Brooks pretty much by himself getting all the work. So, um, you know, I, I, I maybe tread a little bit lightly, but still, I think at that position for this board. Him at 5,600 is uh, looks it looks great to me. I'm 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 all in for that. The other guys are Isaiah Spiller uh, for Texas A&M. He looks to have the workhorse role that you, you know you always want. He's looking he's getting all the touches in that backfield at the moment. He's cheap at 5,400. Got a good matchup there. And then uh, Jafar Jefferson for Oregon State, who you know these teams in these Pac-12 games. It's a little deceiving sometimes because, you know, they'll go on and take on a team like Washington, like they did last week, and they're just they're the tougher defenses. And these offenses are are all really soft when they go up against these teams like Utah or Washington. Uh, they just get shut down, and then they go up against teams like Arizona and UCLA, and uh, they have huge games. Uh, Arizona State, sorry, Oregon State being one of them. Um, you know, put up 56 points against Arizona. They put up 48 against UCLA. Uh, Jefferson was hurt for the UCLA one, but he was in there for Arizona a couple weeks ago, and he ended up with a 22-105 line with uh, three scores. So I think he has the role now, now he's back healthy, um, where he's still going to be counted on to get that, eh, maybe not guaranteed 20 touches, but I think it's going to be 15 to 18 you can count on. And, in that offense, in that matchup, I think there's a ton of value there. So I think with those running backs I just mentioned, about four of them, I think you can really uh, build some nice cap room for the rest of your lineups and try to you know manipulate the Baylor-Oklahoma game and, of course, the LSU Tigers as well. Try to get as many of those guys into your lineups as possible. That's where the contest will probably likely be won and lost is who gets the touchdowns on those teams. Uh, so going on, I kind of talked about it a little bit um, already, but having that App State-Georgia State game in there is a, kind of a new uh, new look to these contests. We usually don't get single games from these conferences in there, so that's always add some interesting things. You got, it makes you do a little bit more research on the teams that you don't usually see. And I, I think there's um, a case to be made for um, who was the running back for? Where was this guy? There he is. Uh, Trey Barnett, 
look, he has the numbers. He has the role. It, it looks like he's uh, has a great spot to perform well in any of these Sun Belt contests. He he has pretty good numbers. So, but he is sixty eight hundred. So I kind of went, you know, just with the guys I just mentioned at running back, I don't really I don't really care for this guy in this spot. Um, I still think he's going to be fine. I wouldn't necessarily avoid him, but I'd rather uh, pivot to the guys I just mentioned. And, and other than that, I'm not really too interested in the receivers in that game. They're just not productive enough week to week for me to really get excited, even at some decent prices. I just wasn't, I, 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 I'm, I'm all set for that. So, but some just to take note of that there's a, a new team involved here, a new, new game in, in this contest that we usually don't see. Uh, and then after that, we kind of get to the, as I do each week, talk about fading the quarterback. So if, if you're someone like me, I always look for an angle, at least try to look for an angle where I'm, okay, I don't want to spend money on Jalen Hurts. I don't want to bother with Joe Burrow. I think I can find the value at quarterback. I think I can get, let's say, 75 to 80% of their production somewhere else for probably three grand, you know, 2,500 less than I have to spend. So if I can do that, it's a pretty convincing argument to avoid playing those guys. And if I had to do that this week, I would say the best candidates are Desmond Ritter for Cincinnati. He has been, um, he's been very productive in these American athletic conference games where there isn't very many good teams. There certainly isn't very many good defenses. And he's managed to get, let's see, he's gone 22.8, and 32.5 in his last three American Athletic Conference games for DraftKings points. So, um, look, I, I think he's shown that that's kind of a nice floor for him. His average is 20 points. And they score enough and have a nice matchup with South Florida, who's, again, one not a good team, not a good defense. Uh, I think he can get to that 25-point range with a little bit of upside in, in a plus matchup. So I like Rhett Desmond Ritter there. Uh, Zach Thomas in App State. The one reason to like him is you also get some kind of uh, – well, sorry, to like him and Ritter – is you get also some rushing stats upside. They're probably gonna run the ball anywhere from 10 to 12 times and get, you know, I don't know, 60 to 70 yards. And they do also, because they do kind of those RPOs a lot um, around the goal line, they get a fair amount of rushing touchdowns as well. So um, that's something I like about both those guys. So Zach Thomas for App State as well. And then if you kind of wanna go a little bit deeper I think Jake Luton, again, in that Oregon State game, and that matchup makes a lot of sense uh, to at least get you a nice floor of 20, 25, and have uh, some decent upside in those soft Pac-12 games. And uh, if you want to get really dirty, and I don't know that I want to do this, but John Reese Plumley for Ole Miss in that LSU game, uh, really fun guy to watch. Uh, runs the ball a lot, runs this, uh, you know, racky, wacky spread, rich rod RPO offense um, where there's a lot of running from him. And he he at least managed, even in a game where they got, uh, they lost pretty handily, he still managed to put up a really nice game against 
Alabama earlier this year where they lost 31-59. And he ended up with 32 uh, DK points, 29 the next week against Vandy. Um, and he had 37 against, I think, New Mexico State last week. So no one really cares about that. But I think the bigger thing to note that he was getting, I think, almost all the work. I think he, with, he's with he been splitting time with Matt Corral a little bit, and that seems to be trending in the wrong direction for Mr. Corral. So I think um, I think if, if you're convinced that he's going to play and you have full-time duty, that he's a very intriguing spot. And if you play him, I mean, he's dirt cheap at 6,100 at that position. Uh yeah, I, I mean, even in a part-time duty game at Auburn, he had 17.6 DK points. That's not that's not bad if, if you're trying to punt on that quarterback position. So, um, yeah, I think those are my guys that I'm considering on pivoting to if I'm not going the Hurts, Charlie Brewer, or Joe Burrow route at quarterback. And then kind of the overall just... Um, you know, approach to the contest. Uh, it pretty much laid it out. This is kind of a Baylor-Oklahoma production. Uh, last week, if you've looked at some of the teams that finished uh, high in the contests, almost all of them in the top 10, I think, had some permutation of Jalen Hurts and Brock Purdy in that Iowa State-OU game, you know, mixing C.D. Lamb. Um, I did this as well, but I didn't actually do Brock Purdy, so... Uh, but yeah, all those guys had both quarterbacks in that game. So I, I think you probably are going to want to do a similar thing here. They just they supply enough points to where if you're not in on it, you're kind of likely out of it. And it, you're just going to miss out on the party. So sometimes you just have to accept that this is the way to play this slate. Um, it's just statistically, mathematically, it makes the most sense if we're just looking at this on paper and how to project these things out. So, um, yeah, Baylor, Oklahoma, and then, you know, get those LSU Tigers in those lineups. And, yeah, that's the deal. Good luck to you on Saturday night for your DK contest. Look for my posts each week on fakepigskin.com. And, uh, hey, if you want to stick around here for the doctor, talk some college and NFL ATS picks, that's coming up now. As always, I am joined by the doctor to do our weekly ATS college and NFL picks. Doctor, how are you? Doing well, Bob. Uh, Big week, Michigan, Michigan State week. Super exciting. Yeah, huge week. Um, means so much. Yeah, it certainly does. We're going to talk about that. First, let's uh, just kind of do a little bit of uh, housekeeping. Every week we do college football games covering Michigan, Michigan State, Notre Dame and USC. Uh, the doctor has um, has paid tuition at two of those institutions, and um, 
and we we grew up in that area, so we just kind of cover those teams. And then any of the notable games in college football, we will uh, go over. For example, Georgia at Auburn is a game on this week's board that we're going to talk about. So all that being said, let's just get it out of the way because I don't really want to spend enough time in it. It is our Spartans at U of M. U of M's minus 13 and a half as of now. And um, do you want to maybe just kind of reintroduce the discussion we had to have on Saturday night where we, we were able to hang out and take in some of the night games together. It was, it was uh, very enjoyable. And we had to have a, you know, kind of a hard heart about this whole thing and how, what, what's happened? Would you like to describe the contents of that discussion? I, I mean, my big takeaway is um, you know, just when you think we're MSU is at rock bottom, they find a new rock bottom. Uh, you know, that was my, my big takeaway when we didn't think it go any lower. It did. And it went that way on Saturday with that disaster of a second half against Illinois. Uh, and, you know, it was more about the D'Antonio discussion. And, you know, he's done this to himself because he, he set the bar super high and he sustained that bar for, for a few years. And now he's just let the bottom fall out and, you know, hasn't done much to change it. And there just doesn't seem to be a lot of hope or things you can point at that would say it will be better next year or the years to come. So it was a, uh, while we were getting intoxicated, it was yet a sobering discussion about the state of the <laughs> football. <laughs> very, very much so. And uh, yeah, it's actually kind of, if you think about each week, the ensuing disaster that seems like it's worse, it's almost kind of impressive in a way. It's like, you, this is hard to do. You guys are kind of outdoing yourselves Every time I think it, it couldn't get worse, it's like, I mean, I impressive almost in a weird way. Um, yeah. And also, also, uh, you know, I, nah, I don't want to spend too much time on this, but that, like that Lewerke concussion thing, it's just another another thing where it, it's just what is going on in this. It, it just suggests that there's just this. I, I want to say lack of control but it's just like it's just disorganized it's it, it's not even on like game day in game like these pe- people aren't together there's they're not on the same page that is not a good look i don't care how you want to draw it up it's just it's it's bad and we talked about that interception that he threw and th- <laughs> that was right before that play and it, it actually it makes sense that one of our buddies that we have a chat with texted like, like that the, the, he asked the question after that play is this guy drunk? Like, like that's what it looked like. That's how bad that throw was. And I, I saw the replay of it, and it, it does make sense. Like he obviously he, he was not right. So, um, you know, I don't, I don't know. yeah, I don't know. Harp on too much because we just we could talk about it for for a long time. But it also showed again where there's this this lack of team unity. Where as bad as that game was, there were still a number of times where like, hey, get together make a play, whether it was get a first down or stop a fourth and 16, just do something right. And I hate to do that to teams because you're not in the locker room and we don't know what it's like, but it looks like, and it feels like that team is broken and there's no togetherness. And we talked about a few weeks ago, like, you know, D'Antonio is known for having teams that fight and that team just has no fight. They don't show any unity and it's just, 
continues to show itself week after week after week. And I think we try to hope it changes, and it just doesn't. It doesn't look like it's going to. No. And the other thought I had is there's been so much happening around this university and all this other crap, uh, you know, like Charles Rogers, that crazy news this week. Is is I'm not a I'm not a man of strong conviction, doctor, in a lot of ways. But um, is there some sort of karma? Uh, no, that's right. Just get to the game. No, stop. <laughs> what? All right. I don't know. I, it's hey, a bad football something. team. Leave it at that. It's no deeper than that. It's a bad coach. Okay. Bad, it's a bad football team right now. Sure. Okay. All right. Fine. Fine. All right. Point is, um, get to the pick. I want to take 20 points, so uh, I'm U of M minus 13 and a half. I'll let you go. Yeah, I think it's pretty easy. I, I didn't do any uh, research for stats. I've seen both these teams playing off, and we know where the teams are at, where the programs are trending. I think the biggest disappointment for me on this one is, um, even if Michigan State were to somehow miracle find a way to win this game, it means nothing. And that's not a hedge. That's not a hedge that MSV fans say, oh, I don't really care about the game, because that, that's not true, that I don't. But it, it doesn't really mean anything. No. When, when Michigan State was dominating over the last decade, those wins meant something. They were taking them somewhere. That was the point of the win. That's what made it fun was it was to the next step, was to a championship in November. Now I just beat Michigan, great. If you beat Michigan, who, it, doesn't really, it doesn't really matter. It doesn't mean, it doesn't mean anything to me. It's no. Fun. No, yeah, right. You're, you're, you're not that's a full team. That's the biggest disappointment. And so, whatever, we're not going to anyway. Like you said, one take 20. It's, it's Wolves. Okay. All right. Well, Wolves minus 13 and a half. Let's jump to the Irish. Uh, they are minus seven and a half at home against the Navy midshipmen. Um, I thought that the Irish kind of acquitted themselves nicely last week in kind of a, a performance where they got up early on someone and then put them away Uh early on in the second half. So against a team that, you know, you should do that too. Yeah. So I, I think they were kind of showing that they are, that they're better, they're an above average team that we were kind of questioning going into last week. So, um, yeah, I think with Navy, on the Navy side here, I, I think this is another example where you have this empty 7-1 record and also an empty uh, stat for their top ranked run defense that is like I think it's in 17 or 18 in the country because they've only played the best team they played we'll say is Memphis and they lost 35-23 in that game it was pretty competitive headed into the second half but they went on to lose 21-3 in that second half gave up touchdown run of 75 yards and a pass of 73 yards in that game so is this defense or is this run defense really good? I, I don't know. I just know they haven't really played anybody. And, yeah, I, I'm not really going to buy in until I, until I have to see more. So I'm just going to make the pick, and I'll let you go. But I'm, I'm on Irish minus 7.5, and, and I'll let you respond to that. Yeah, it's almost like you, you read my sheet there. Um, you know, and Navy's strength of schedule is 67, which is not yeah. good. You know, Notre Dame's is 12. I do like that you stayed away from the narrative that's always out there. Well, uh, the, the academies are tough to prepare for. Yeah, I, I get it. I get it. You know, Notre Dame prepares for them every year, though, so they have to have, like, some consistency there in how they go about doing it. So 
I get it for some teams that never do it. It's hard to do. Notre Dame does them every year, and sometimes they do them multiple times. So that's not an excuse. Um, they right. got to be ready to go for the triple option. Uh, and I think they will be. Uh, the strength of schedule, I think, comes in play. Navy hasn't played anybody. Notre Dame, like you said, got a little right last week. And, um, you know, the, the question is, if Notre Dame gets out early, this thing's going to be over very, very quickly. And I think uh, I think they'll do that. So, MD minus 7.5. Yeah, and they've been playing um, – Maybe not option quarterbacks, but they've been had consistently right. having RPO looks every week uh, yeah. with Virginia Tech and Duke. So, um, yeah, Irish minus seven and a half. We are both on that. And now let's get to actual real football games where both teams are actually good. And these are the games I would want to talk about in a normal course of business if we didn't have to talk about these nonsensical teams that we follow. Um, George is. <laughs> at Auburn, a uh, big SEC showdown. And Georgia is minus two and a half. I'll let you take this one. Yeah. So I think we know what we're getting from, from both these teams. I mean, offensively, two very good running teams. Uh, Auburn's averaging 219 yards per game. Georgia's averaging 216. Um, so then we kind of go to the other side of the ball on the defensive side. Georgia's fourth best in the nation, only giving up 75 yards per game. Auburn is 110th, giving up 113 yards per game. So it looks like Georgia on paper will have a have an easier time running the ball, which I think could be a big difference in this game. Um, yeah, I think I, most people would also say that From is a bit more proven than Knicks, although Knicks has had some gamer gamer moments along the way. Um, but, but. Fromm has some bad memories from last time he was in uh, Jordan Hare Stadium a couple of years ago. Uh, they got beat, I think, forty to seventeen or something like that. He didn't he didn't play very well. Um, and I think I think I'm gonna I'm gonna head here with a little Malzahn um, breaking some tendencies and, and putting some strategy around this one and doing something different with some trickery. Um, also, Auburn seven and two. Uh, against the spread um, and two and zero against the spread's underdog this year, and uh, Auburn is also seven and one against the spread as a home underdog under Maldon. So although I think the paper gives that rushing edge to, to Georgia and a little bit of an offensive edge uh, there, I'm going to go War Eagle plus two and a half. All right, the the Malzahn factors going away. The, the, the malls well that's that's an interesting factor okay malls <laughs> <laughs> the, 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 the malls the malls the first time that statement and the malls factor hey, <laughs> like, doctor's unique the doctor's unique <laughs> yes you certainly are um oh and by the way i didn't actually um i never actually gave out our, our records for college so i was just really quickly i was 4-1 last week uh, 25, 20, and one overall in the season. You were two and three. You're 22, 23, and one on the season. So you are unique, definitely. The, the Mulzahn factor. Um, I think the college record. I think my college record is the only thing that uh, uh, positive for me. So, um, okay, look, Georgia, Auburn. I think similar to my kind of Florida, Georgia take. I think there is some value with Georgia in these matchups where I still view them as much, much closer. I don't know if I put them in the same. I don't know if they're eating at that same dinner tables like Bama and LSU um, and Clemson, but I think they're closer to eating at that table 
than they are to the Auburns and the floors of the world, let's just say. Um, and if I believe that, I think I have to go with them here, uh, minus a number, where I think they just, to cover that, they just have to win the game. So I like Georgia, uh, minus two and a half. I think that since that kind of fluky loss to South Carolina, they've outscored their opponents 72 to 17. So I think they're back to where they need to be. Are they like dominating and super impressive? Not necessarily, but I still think they're a cut above some of these uh, next-tier SEC teams. So I'm taking the Dogs, minus two and a half. That will get us to rowing the boat. And I, I, want, I want to put this game on here because, look, I think, hey, don't they at this point just – I know – well, let's get out of the way. Are they going to replace Penn State as a playoff team now from the Big Ten? Yeah, no. But um, I think with the win last week that you know they're, they're worth mentioning um, in this matchup here at Iowa. It is P.J. Fleck uh, traveling to Kinnick with his Gophers, still undefeated. Big win again, like I said last week. And Iowa's minus three. Uh, where do you want to go with this? So I realize people are already talking about this as a, as a trap game for Minnesota. Um, coming off the big win uh, in a letdown situation, Iowa's defense has been has been really good. You know, that's that's the narrative I'm I'm hearing right now. And the, you know the line, frankly, would would reflect that a little bit. But I'm not buying in. Uh, from what I saw last week, I, I thought Minnesota looked great. I think people need to start knowing the name Tanner Morgan. He was awesome last week. He is the fourth most efficient passer in college football. Um, yeah, he's got a, he's got a couple great receivers out there, and Bateman and Johnson, and we know they can run with Rodney Smith. I'm, three I'm three buying, legit running backs too. Yeah, yeah, and I, I'm so I'm 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 buying in on Minnesota, and they need to start getting some getting some credit, and I think they are. Um, you know, another thing interesting to note here is Minnesota is five and zero in games decided by a touchdown or less. I was just two and three, so I, I liked what I saw the Minnesota's um, offense. I think. You know, Iowa D will play tough, of course, but I think Minnesota will do enough. And I've seen nothing from Stanley in the Iowa offense that's encouraging enough for them to be able to to match that in this game. So I'm I'm not buying the letdown. I'm going Minnesota plus three. Yeah, Nate Stanley's a statue. He's like a college version of Joe Flacco back there. He's he's <laughs> terrible. Uh, so look, before I get to this pick, I'd like to just kind of make an announcement, and I'd like to. Um, let in PJ Fleck into a a fraternity as I'm a founding member of Midwest guys in their late 30s who are uh, bald and short and who who are legends. (laughs) You're in this group. I'm the founding member and PJ Fleck just became he just got his honorary membership last week with that win. He obviously obviously he he, he saw the problem with lettuce, and he acted accordingly, and he just aced it and said, it's over. And you can see it's taken his entire coaching game to new heights. I mean, this guy, you know, it's one thing to do it in Western and, you know, a cute little Maxion and all this stuff. But this guy has Minnesota Gopher football at number seven right now in the college football playoff rankings. I mean, in, in mid-November, okay, Minnesota football. So, uh it's, it's a lot to do with the lettuce and a lot to do with just this, this 
this master motivator that he is. So um, I'd like to congratulate him on that and being uh, a member in my club. And uh, yeah, look, I think that uh, Iowa, I look at them and it kind of reminds me of that AT&T ad campaign that they have out right now where they say, you know, just okay is not okay. And I don't know if you're familiar with this doctor. Um, they have no, I'm not. Though so you know the commercial where the doctor comes in and he goes, "Hey, just got reinstated." He goes, "Hey, how, how, you nervous?" And he goes, "Yeah, he's yeah, me too, me too. Don't worry, we'll figure it out." And they just go, <laughs> "Oh yeah, I'm with you now." Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, just okay is not okay, and that is Iowa. They are just okay, and it's not okay. I uh, so uh, look, I'm I'm riding this, I'm getting in the boat. I might strap a little motor to the back and grab an oar. So, um, look, Minnesota plus the three, or both on it. This, I mean, this guy. What more can you say about him? this? Is, this is amazing right now. So, uh, let's get to the last game. No, sorry, we have we have another uh, intriguing matchup. I would say uh, at night for college football. One of the games that I would actually want to talk about and it is the Oklahoma Sooners. They are minus 10 traveling to an undefeated Baylor team with all kinds of Big 12 championship implications, of course. I don't know if there really is any national uh, implications necessarily, but still uh, a nice matchup, and I think it's a nice time in college football where each week we're now getting to kind of figure out the truth about a lot of these teams and we're going okay yeah Bailey you're undefeated nice cute what are you going to do here in a tough spot against a better team now what are you going to do so um, I'll let you kind of respond to that and have your take on this game so yeah I think uh, you know Hurst's play has been exceptional and he, he does get attention but it's been a little overshadowed by Burrow, and rightfully so, because Burrow's been awesome and on some big stages. But let's not forget, Hertz is hitting 73% of his passes, 24 TDs, only four picks, 870 yards on the ground with 15 TDs. That's, that's pretty amazing at the quarterback position. I, I think that's just getting a little overlooked because of Burrow. Um, I, yeah. know the Bail- I know the Baylor defense has been good, pass rush has been good, but the way Hurts plays that offensive style, I think it negates the pass rush. I don't feel that he's going to make bad decisions if they do get him under pressure. I think he'll be able, be able to extend plays and, and make some things happen. Um, you know, the other side of the, na- the narrative is OU hasn't beat anybody. They lost to K-State. But other than they lost to K-State, they've handled their business. And, and I think they had their scare last week. So, you know, they, they, they found a way to win that game. That's what they needed to do. So I think they're, they're going to be pretty focused this week and, you know, although uh, Baylor's offense and Brewers having a good year, they'll they'll try and slow it down to keep them off the field. I, I don't think it would be nearly enough. Uh, I'm going Boomer sooner here, minus ten, and I think it gets. I think this one gets ugly. Like Oklahoma's gonna win by twenty plus. Okay, um, that's hot. I am on the other side, and I think unfortunate I, for you. It, it well is it? Uh, I think, but the reasoning I think is. Is, it, look, it's rational. And I think I talked to you Saturday night about this, and they were playing Iowa State, and I kind of made the the Kansas City Chiefs comparison uh, for NFL. And I said these guys have this offense that can almost overwhelm anybody they play, especially in that conference. But their defense is not good, and it's going to be hard for them to protect leads. And 
cover big numbers. So um, you saw last week, Iowa State up 21 at the beginning of the fourth quarter. And Iowa State ends up having a two-point conversion attempt to win the game. I mean, uh, it, it was pretty amazing. And, and I think this Baylor team profiles in a similar way to that team. I don't think Charlie Brewer is as good as Brock Purdy, but I think he's close enough and he's, he's competent to the point where they're going to be able to move the football consistently in this game and put up their share of points. And even if there is a, a lead, um, this defense just, you know, they're not good. They, they try to pretend like they were a few, a few weeks early in the season when they kind of played well against Texas Tech and protect badly. But as this season's gone on, you saw Kansas State rip them up. Iowa State then rips them up when they're down a big deficit. And look, I, they're not a good defense. They haven't improved like they needed to in order to kind of probably win a national title. So I think Baylor at least uh, does enough, keeps it close. And uh, yeah, look, instead of being at home last week for Oklahoma, this is on the road. I think it's a nice story. Uh, at night, Matt Rules that have taken this program left for dead and they're he's brought him back to Baylor football undefeated in the middle of there it's 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 impressive uh in, in that regard so I'm gonna go Baylor plus the 10 points loser Lo- <laughs> well I'll tell you I'll tell you what a loser is uh let's get to USC um did, did I give you did, should I should I bring up, we already talked about Michigan State, but should I just bring up the Arizona State update from last week or no? What's the update? USC beat them. Yeah, they beat them. Do, do you recall what happened to Arizona State's defense in the first quarter of that game? Yeah, 275 and three TDs from, from Slovis. Well, it was, yeah, like four, yeah, four, four TDs and whatever. Was four, anyway. Okay, yeah. yeah. Whatever, four TDs and it was like 300 yards, whatever. Okay, so yeah, okay. Awesome. Uh, Arizona State's awesome. So, USC. In the last game of the night, it starts at 11 p.m. Eastern. USC minus six and a half at Cal. And what are the chances of either of us remembering one minute of this game? Uh, the chances of us staying awake for <laughs> zero. That's the first question. Well, I just appreciate you keeping USC on the board. I mean, these games are, are in the grand scheme of things, a little meaningless uh, based on the other ones we talk about. Uh, but you nailed it with, with you think You think I want to keep Michigan State on the board? Well, you kind of nailed it with Slovis. Uh, you know, big, big first quarter uh, last week. And I think he's proven that, that he can put up some numbers. What they haven't done is really done it for four quarters in the game. But the interesting part of that is, is it hasn't mattered because either a quarter or a half has been good enough to, to win a lot of these games. I, I hope they put it together for four quarters against Cal, but I really don't think it's going to matter. I think they'll have a, a half of football where they, they get some points on the board and they're just too good to be shut down. And I don't, not much from Cal scares me. I mean, maybe they're going to try and expose uh, expose SC on the ground, but that doesn't even scare me too much. So I mean, as long as Slovis puts together a half of football, USC is going to, USC is going to go away with this one. Okay. Well, I think the one thing about Cal is out of, there's maybe like two or three teams in that conference who kind of, you know, set their set their mode on defense. And this is the one that has a, at least a, a fairly decent defense that tries to play defense. And I think they're they're pretty good at it. 
they have enough to maybe neutralize the strength of USC, which is Slovis and the, the receivers. Um, and after that, it's USC's defense, which is just it's, it's broken. Um, they're up 28 nothing at Arizona State against a backup quarterback and still almost found a way to uh, let that one get away from them. And that, that that's a true freshman backup quarterback. So uh, um, I keep picking against the Trojans. I'm not, it's not on purpose. It really isn't. Uh, I just, they happen to meet teams at a certain time, and I go, eh, six and a half points? Okay, I'm going to go, uh, I'm going to go Cal plus the six and a half. And that will end um, a nice little board of college and take us to week 11 in the NFL. And let's get some of the business out of the way where we set the stage. And I got to get back to last week. As I talked about in the open, Power five, just uh, it's a struggle right now for me. I was one and four last week. Not, not very powerful. No, nineteen and thirty and one overall on the season. Uh, me, 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 and D'Antonio. It's just it's rock bottom. It's rock bottom. Uh, and uh, Doctor, you were two and two in your power five. You are twenty one and twenty seven and two overall. No real, no real blood loss there for you, but uh, and oh, and before I get to that too, overall last week I was five six and one, and my overall record for the year is sixty five seventy one and two. You are six and five and one last week, winning record, nice there, and an even five hundred sixty eight sixty eight and two on the year. So it's it's very bizarre, like just from a percentage. Wise, we're both significantly better overall on our record, so we are the part of the pot. I don't know what that means. It can't be good. But I don't know what it means. All right. So, Not good. No, it can't be good. All right. So, look, uh, last week, again, the favorites, uh, the underdogs just took it right back. Um, the favorites were 3 9 and 1 last week. Overall, that makes the favorites 62-84-2 on the season. Home teams uh, broke even at 6-6-1, making them 64-80-2 on the season. So just that overall uh, thing of taking underdogs and road teams uh, just was continues or is still the, the overwhelming uh, moneymaker for the season. Home favorites last week, 2-5-1. And just an alarming record overall, 36, 58, and two on the year. And that gets us to home dogs last week. They were four and one. They are 25 and 24 on the year, just around 500. Favorites, substantial favorites, which we consider of seven points or greater, were one and two last week. They are 17 and 22 on the season. There were two. Substantial favorite outright losers last week. Um, it was New Orleans in a uh, just just a shocker of the year, probably just one of the more bizarre losses. And then um, the Colts going down to Miami as well, and that makes eight overall on the season as substantial favorites that lost outright. This week there are nine home favorites five home dogs and three of those substantial favorites so 14 games overall 
we do 13 because we exclude TNF because I hate it more than I hate a lot of games. So that brings us to our first game, Doctor. And it is Jacksonville at Indianapolis. Indianapolis minus three. And I just want to talk a little bit about the AFC playoff picture here because we're getting to this point in the season where this stuff is rounding into shape. And you can see with six or seven games left, like, you know, what what really is it going to take for some of these teams? And I think in the AFC, it's a legit possibility that eight and eight could take down a wild card spot. Right now, Buffalo is in the first one at six and three. In the second wild card spot would belong to either the Steelers or my Raiders at five and four. So, um, do you think the Colts should just be eliminated from losing to the Dolphins last week? I think they should start a new rule. Like, there's midway point. If you lose to like the Dolphins or Cincinnati, you're automatically eliminated from playoff contention. No matter. Yeah. What. Maybe so. I know. I know they're playing like bet, better. I guess you know, and, and people are like, "Oh, you know." So they've co- they've covered they've covered five straight games. They're five and four is ATS record of the season. They've won two games in a row, but um, you know they still. Uh, we'll, we'll talk about them in the next game, but like they still had like I don't know two hundred twenty nine yards of offense in that game. So I it, they're, they're they're not good. So yeah, that's a bad thing. I, I don't know if I should just blame Hoyer for that. Um, maybe that's just, he was bad in that game. I think we can agree on that. We can agree on that. So, so yeah, I just think in AFC right now, it's all over the place in terms of the wild card picture. Uh, right now, the Browns are playing Thursday night football. They are looking like they may go on to win this game. Even now we get into the four and six, even then they're, you can already, they're alive. I mean, they, they really are alive. You really want to get down to it. Are there, is it uphill battle? Of course it is. Yeah, they're good. to get to eight wins, they're going to have to uh, go on a nice run. But it's it's there. The point is it's there. So, all right. That being said, we have Indy at five and four, AFC South. Jags four and five, AFC South battle. Um, look, no Ty. I think still for the Colts. I think maybe now Jack Doyle is looking like he's down. Brissett and Foles are likely going to be the starters at quarterback. BDN um, is back. B, B looks appears to be back. Um, I'm just going to, in a game that feels very even, I'm going to take the three points with the Jags. I'll let you kind of respond to all that and give your thoughts. I, I'm, I'm with you on the Jags plus the three. Uh, I think it's fun for BDN to be back. Um, Fournette is third in the NFL in yards from scrimmage and against a very average Indy Rusty. I think they're 15th. So I think they'll have some success there. The other thing is, over the last five weeks, the trend for Indy for um, yards per rushing attempt and yards per pass attempt has been dropping significantly. And that includes, as I know Hoyer's been there the past two weeks, I think, maybe three, but there's definitely a couple percent weeks in there where you know they were they were out of the gate hot, and it's just been sliding down. They're trending in a very bad direction. And as you mentioned, some of their key weapons are, are out. Um, I'll also throw in Jacksonville. I think I mentioned last week is 
getting back to Saxonville, they're fifth in the league in sacks. Uh, the side note is uh, Doug Marone is three and one against Indy, including six straight shutout quarters uh, to end last year against them. So I'm with you on the Jags plus three. Yeah, and I, uh, you know, especially last week where you have a team like Miami come in, they came off a, a loss. I know Hoyer's starting, but I would just think this team, like we've talked about, it's built around a, a dominant offensive line. They're just going to overpower these guys. And maybe maybe put up, you know, 200 yards rushing on them. And it just didn't really happen. I don't know that this offensive line is right right now. Um, they've been banged up a little bit. I'm, I'm wondering if maybe they're playing a little banged up with Quentin Nelson maybe. I, I don't know. But it was just kind of surprising to see, like, well, okay, Marlon Mack is still going to rush for under three yards, under four yards of carry? Like, all right, I guess. So, Oh, right, yeah, so let's do Jags plus three there. We're, we're on the same page. Uh, sorry, do you have any more to add to that? No, I'm good. Okay. I, was laughing, Mar- I was laughing at Marlon Mack. That's off. It's, it gets yeah. all hype, and it's, it's the same crap. I mean, he's not a bad back, but it is. It's just two and a half yards, three and a half yards, three yards. And it's just over and over yes. again every week. Yeah, Marlon Mack, let's go to Miami, South Beach, where the aforementioned Dolphins got their second win in a row. Um, and look, I, before we kind of get to this game, I want to mention the real story out of Miami, which is Deion Waiters. Are, are you familiar? I'm not. So, uh, he's a, he's a player, NBA player for the Miami Heat, um, a former Syracuse. Oh yeah. Oh, oh yeah. I know. Okay. Lay it up. I, yeah. Got it. Yep. Former Syracuse yeah. orange, orange alum. Now, they're not the Orange Men anymore because, God forbid, uh, we uh, have that title uh, for a mascot. So it's not not neutral enough. So, yes, the world is safe. They have the Syracuse Orange. And uh, so he had apparently uh, a marijuana gummy overdose on their team flight and is now – his career or at least his employment with Miami Heat is in jeopardy so he may not be with the team much longer and I think had to be hospitalized like immediately after the plane landed so um now I am going on a, a kind of a little bachelor party this weekend as you're aware of and there's a, I think there's a 60 40 chance some gummies might show up at this thing I don't know some of these guys like this stuff I, I really don't know what's going to go on um should I, be, should, should I be the adult in the room? Should I, should I tell these guys? Should I give them the story and be like, guys, let's, let's keep the gummies away? You know, what do you think? Well, I think, I, I think uh, like anything in this world, you should give them the information. You should give them the story, <laughs> but do not pass judgment on whether they use use the gummies. You just have to inform them about a possible outcome. Yeah, and that their employment could be in jeopardy. So, just all seriousness, though, like I hope it's more about the about about the choice of. Uh, to do the gummies on the plane when you're on your way to, I believe it was, to the game, more so than the, the gummy itself, right? Like, it's more of a decision of, like, if you were to get blackout drunk on that plane, the same thing should happen to him. Like, you're saying he got, you, you hope it's not he just got a bad gummy? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> I'm just hoping that it's not like, it's like, okay, it's not like the gummy itself, more of a decision in time to do it on team uh, uh, oh, on a team. Yeah. Like, I mean, look at guys in the NBA are smoking blunts. They're, they're eating gummies. It's happening. Let's, let's, let's sure. accept it. But sure. you can't do it like when you're on your way to and from games. 
You can't, you can't be doing it. And you certainly can't do it to the point where you need to be removed from the plane. Yeah, I'm guessing that he uh, probably ate them like they were a pack of gummy bears. <laughs> that was the problem. So I, I may or may not have witnessed somebody else do some similar things at, at, at another time. <laughs> I some, think some I, may be listening. Some may be listening to the podcast. You may have been present for that. I actually, I am aware of someone who. Yes, I am aware of that. Uh, they probably were someone who did not have gummies and thought it was cool to take a lot of them, and they don't understand that like, you can eat, you can eat half of the torso of the gummy bear and you'd be fine. But yeah. they, that wasn't enough. Sounds like you're speaking from experience. Yeah. No. Well. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> I, I. Uh. You know. No, not a, yeah. <laughs> I, if you want to talk about drugs, I got no. Anyway, all right. So, so that I wanted to bring up that off the rails. I, off the rails. Okay. I, I want to bring that up because uh, it was just a great uh, story in Miami, and it's also going to come up for a later question. Ooh, um, that. All right. So look, I uh, like I was saying, Miami still in that game had 229 yards of offense in their win. Their running backs ran for 47 yards um, uh, last week, and uh, I think a lot of that had to do with Hoyer turning the ball over three or four times. So I don't think the Bills seriously necessarily as like a contender, but I think they are in a spot where they bounce back from their loss, where they did not play poorly uh, at Cleveland. Uh, they miss a field goal to go into overtime, really. So. Um, I'm going to say the Buffalo bounces back. I'm going to take them minus the six points. We didn't say the line. It is Buffalo minus six at Miami. So um, I'm taking them minus six points. I'll let you go. Yeah, I'll keep it quick. Uh, I'm with you. Buffalo minus six. Um, although Buffalo has been trending in a bad direction, their six wins have come against teams with 12 and 44 records totaling. So they're good at beating crappy teams, which we know Miami is. So I think they take care of business here and, and they'll provide Buffalo minus six. Okay, speaking of crappy teams, we have Denver going on the road to Minnesota. Denver 3-6, and six. Minnesota now 7-3, and three. Minnesota minus 10.5, and, and I think we got to reset a narrative here, Doctor. Um, you know my narrative with this team, which is they, they kind of beat up on the bad teams, and they go play somebody that's, you know, decent with a pulse, and they kind of get hammered. Um, the last two weeks, it's been the exact opposite, where they went to Kansas City without Mahomes and didn't, like, play terrible, but just kind of, you know, kind of turn into a stinker where you can't lose that game. Like, you like, Green Bay kind of, Almost got clipped, but they ended up taking care of this. They won the game when they played at Kansas City without Mahomes. You got to do that if you're a good team. You got you got to take care of that game in that situation. So you're kind of thinking like, oh god, here we go. And then everyone's all over them the next week. They're going to Dallas, where Kirk Cousins on a primetime game never shows up. Never, never shows up and beats a team with a winning record. That's the whole deal going into that. And they completely outplay them and win that game on Sunday night. So now they're here where they are and I'm going to ask you the question do you right here right now put them in this contender category with maybe Baltimore, Green Bay, 
Kansas City in the second tier of, of teams that could take this thing down this year? Are, are they there? I think so. I, sure. I, don't, I don't see why not. I mean, they have the they have your formula, right? Um, they top do. Top ten running game, top ten rush D, and you know they've got they've got Cousins, who is certainly a roller coaster, but is um, capable at times and starting to show he's capable against some some better teams. He's starting to change narrative. Okay, I I liked what they did Sunday night. That that was definitely probably the biggest win. Probably for Cousins, I think, so far uh, in his career. I don't think that's an exaggeration. I would like to see it one more time. And I want to see it I want to see it at Seattle in two weeks on Monday Night Football when they come off the bye. Because I think that was a game last year that completely imploded their season and where things just completely fell apart. Um, and they were embarrassed. So... I want to see them win that game, and also, you know, what they do against Green Bay in their their second game of the season in that division. So, uh, not all in yet, but seeing what I saw there, I liked it. As you can tell, I haven't said much about Denver because there's not a whole lot to say. So, well, let me ask you something about Denver, Bob. Do you know what it's like to face Brandon Allen after a bye week? Do you know what that's going to be like? <laughs> well, I've already. I know this. There's already like. Uh, a, a Brandon Allen, Drew Locke quarterback controversy brewing. So, um, whatever. Uh, hey, they beat up on bad teams. That's my entire narrative, right? So I got you know whatever. Minnesota minus ten. I'll let you go. Yeah, you're you're right. Uh, Minnesota's uh, four at four and at home, three one against the spread, and they're outscoring opponents one hundred nineteen to fifty five uh, in those games. So they're all double digit wins. Uh, no reason to believe that that this will be any different. Um, you know, Denver's D actually ranks fourth in total yards per game. I don't know if they do that. It's a pretty good stat. Yep. But they're, they're 17th in rush and fourth in pass, which is you know the opposite of what you'd want playing against Cousins, right? If there's going to be the the opportunity here to be make Cousins beat you, but if they can't stop the run, that's not going to happen. So just more support for for your pick. I'm on board. Vikings uh, minus. I got it at ten and a half. Yeah, 10 and a half, 10 and a half, yeah. Brandon Allen going to be shot out of that Viking horn 25 times on Sunday. I'm looking very forward to it. So, um, all right. That takes us to Tampa and our crab legs, um, where he got got the win last week. No cover, but he got the win. Uh, they are at home with New Orleans coming in. Minus five and a half coming off just a kind of a, a bizarre loss to say the least. And I'll just kind of lay this out and where I think the thought process should be. So was that simply a hiccup for a team that was just playing very high level football for six, seven weeks that's for the most part unsustainable? over a 17-week course? Um, or is it the start of something bigger with New Orleans? Is there something within that game that was need to be more concerned about? I think based on your answer to that question is going to be your pick for this game. I'll let you kind of respond to that. Well, not only is it going to be a pick for, for this game, I think it's going to be a pick for 
two games down the list. You, you, you are correct. Yeah, are right. Correct. So, uh, same thought process. I didn't do a whole lot here around statistics. It's kind of what you believe. And I, I'm still believing in New Orleans. I, I don't think they're going to repeat last week. Uh, TV's past defense has been terrible. I think New Orleans will take advantage of that. You throw in a few crab legs turnovers, which we, we know he's going to be able to do that. Um, even though New Orleans has struggled to force turnovers, when you when you need that to happen, you play crab legs, you're going to get turnovers. That'll, that'll propel this team. I, I think I think I'm in on New Orleans still. I'm taking a minus five and a half. Yeah, I'm I'm going to do the same. Um, I'll just say that New Orleans did lose um, the Pro Bowl guard Andrews Pete for the next six weeks in that game. It's not going to help. Uh, Marshawn Lattimore, their stud corner, is up in the air for this game. And just because I did the research, because I have no life, um, Drew Brees, as a starter in New Orleans, is 8-5 and five at Tampa overall. The margin of victory in those wins is 13 points. If you slice it down to the last eight, Doctor, he is 5-3. and three. And the average margin of victory, just in all eight games, so whether they win or lose, is six and a half points in those eight contests. So just suggesting that even when they play, you know, even these last few, last eight contests, typically play to closer games. So I, I, I can see why the line is where they're at. When you get into this deeper in the season, they have these kind of divisional matchups. And sometimes they just kind of take on a life of their own. I, I get it, but... Yeah, I'm going to take New Orleans. Um, if I think they're going to win this game, I'm going to take them to cover five and a half. So, yeah, New Orleans minus five and a half. We're, we're both there. Uh, that gets us to a game that everyone's been waiting for. It is the one and eight Washington Redskins minus one and a half against the New York Jets. And the only thing I'm going to say about this is. I don't think you play uh, DFS a lot, Doctor. I don't think you're, that's not your thing. But not. Right, I do. And um, I just want to say this, that the play this week is the Haskins to Terry McLaurin double up. That's, it's, that's the play. That's what you want. That's the basis oh, so for all you, my you, life. You know what it's like playing Haskins off of bye week? You know what it's like? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And kind of what's funny about this is I, I know, like, there's this talk about, you know, oh, he only started for one year in college and all this stuff, and, like, you can't just throw – like, they put him in against Buffalo. They were already more competitive and more – they were just better immediately. They're, they were better. And it's just, guys, just stop it. Like, you draft him 16, put him in the game, you're going nowhere with, like, you know, Case Keenum or Cole – I just – it just makes no sense. So um, I'm glad that they've at least decided that he is the starter for the rest of the year. And I, I, I'm a big Haskins uh, believer, so I'm excited. Uh, I'll let you go on. My, Washington minus one and a half. That's my pick. Yeah, it should. I wish I could pull the eight ball back out here. I, I won't. It's not Halloween <laughs> week. I miss. Nobody, nobody cares. Uh, hey, but but the Jets are coming off a big win over the New York Giants. Apparently, big win. Big apparently, win. it saved Jason's job for 2020. Sure. That's that's what they said. So I'm gonna go trend continues. I'm going I'm going the opposite of this one. I'm going Jets uh plus one and a half here. That's just your, by the way, your, just you're going you're going Haskins still. I know you said they look better. Zero TDs, four picks, you've taken eight sacks. I don't know if I want to play money on that one. Okay. I look 
I was talking I was talking about the Buffalo game specifically where he got the start. So um that's just your loyalty to your Trojan quarterback Sam Darnold. I know how you I, work. Yeah, I okay. Okay. I know how you work. Okay. All right. So the same question applies that we had a couple games ago. The next game that you alluded to, and you are correct, it is Carolina at home minus five and a half to Atlanta. And Atlanta kind of had this performance where you go, hey, this is the exact defense that we thought we were going to see that everyone was expecting against New Orleans. So you have to think, okay, for that, is this this just one week where all of a sudden they're, it's the start of something? Or really, are they closer to what the previous you know, eight, nine games suggest they are? And I think if you're a reasonable person, it's not much to, to lead you to believe that this is kind of some start of some big turnaround. If you want to believe that, that's great. I can't do that necessarily. So um, I'll let you respond to that. What are your thoughts? Same. I'm, I'm not ready to do that. I, the tension here is they, they do have the number two pass defense in the league, uh, which says something. I mean, they can, they can score some points. They can throw the ball around uh, a little bit. But you know, the other side of this is you know, the Panthers do have a competent pass D, and they lead the league in sacks, and they're playing for a playoff spot. And this is a must win for them. Like they, they were, they looked pretty good in Green Bay last week. They were you know, down to the wire there. Um, so I'm not buying in on a big Falcon turnaround, and I am buying on on Carolina being a playoff team uh, in the hunt there. So I'm Carolina minus five and a half. I am as well. This is getting eerily right now with uh, yeah. all of us picking, you know, and I'm I'm picking, and I'm picking like every favorite too, which is terrible, but. <laughs> But yeah, no, I, yeah, yeah, that's great. Um, I think, uh, yeah, look, I, I think that was a nice game for them last week. Look, they lost, of course, and it wasn't the last play of the game, um, but I think they at least showed that, yeah, they're closer to a team like Green Bay than they are to, I don't know, a, a Tampa or something. Like, they're not, they're not fraudulent, right? Uh, so, and, and Kyle Allen played really well in, in some tough spots uh so i i am on carolina minus the five and a half as well i don't buy in on the atlanta turnaround and maybe that great pass defense is because um everyone's up by 20 points on them in the second half and just has to run them. Huh. i don't know maybe that could be why i don't know pass uh, offense i meant to pass offense oh that. oh i'm sorry that's okay. what i said Maybe I maybe I ruined that. Um, I think I, I think I just like last last week you did that to me too. So I'm sorry. I'll, I'll make sure I'll make sure to edit that. No. Uh, yeah. Uh, and also also no Austin Hooper for Atlanta, who's been one of the better receiving tight ends in football this year. Um, he's he's out, and Devontae Freeman out. Uh, Brian Hill is there going to expect to get the majority of the work there running back? Just kind of you know. Look, unproven guy. It's, just, it's 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 tough to take that. So, um, like you mentioned, can't afford to lose games like this if you're Carolina, if they want to continue to be in this playoff race in the stretch run. So, Carolina minus five and a half is the pick, and it gets us to Baltimore minus four points at home to the Houston Texans coming off the bye. You have Baltimore sitting at seven and two. Uh, continuing to impress each week, and Houston at six and three, and 
I would like to get the MVP discussion uh, mixed in right now. Where are you at? Well, Seattle's not playing. I, 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 I'm asking. So that was, that was the MVP question. So is it Lamar? Is it Russ? Do you even consider Deshaun? Is it... Yeah, look, they're, they're, I think all three of them are in the mix. If you want me to rank them right now, I'd, I'd go I'd go Russ, Lamar, Deshaun um, of those three. There's still some, there's still some of the weeks left and some big games coming out. It's kind of like the you know, college football playoff debate right now. Um, we're sure. a little too early to get in there. I think there's there's a lot to be said. I think we were texting about it, right? I think we it was on yep. the group chat that I was texting about. It. Like, Russ needs this to, I think you said keep pace and i think i said take the lead um so yeah. i think i know you come out on this well i think that it was nice thing at the, look, it, was a, it was a nice win on monday night for sure but i think the best player on the seahawks was either david cloudy or jimmy garoppolo so i don't know i i mean if you think about it their i think their longest offensive touchdown drive was 24 yards and that, that that's not that's true and Russ also was partially responsible for a uh, San Francisco defensive touchdown. So he did not play good in that game. Not to his standards. He did not. Um, so I think Lamar, in their bigger wins, has been the reason that they're – I mean, he's, he's more of, of why they're winning those games. Uh, you know, last week in putting this huge – yeah, I guess a bad team. But he's showing, like – I was saying, I think maybe one or two weeks ago, I'm not sure that the way he plays is sustainable. I'm still not sure, but honestly, he's so good at it. I'm going, you know what? I, I No one's stopping it. I not, not only is no one stopping it, he's clowning people at times. So what am I supposed to say here? So I, I'm, I'm, it's Lamar for me right now. But I am excited for this matchup because I think yeah. Deshaun Watson wants a piece of this. I think... He wants to have a say in all this, and I—I I, I don't know if he's in the same on the same level. I, I, I tend to—I tend to think he is, but I want to see it. So, uh, w- w- sorry, were you going to say something? I would say I, I think he can be. I don't right. think he's proven it this season yet, and I think this is a big opportunity to to get up into that level. Go have a yeah. good day here and, and beat Lamar. Yeah. So, I. I'm not going to pretend like I have a strong opinion on this game. I, I kind of like it just as a matchup, and I, I have no clue how this is going to play out. The Texans have a third-ranked run D right now. Maybe, maybe that can kind of slow Lamar down. We'll see. I think he's just too much a wild card to even put a run D set up against, like as far as statistically. So, look, I'm just going to take Houston and the points here and think maybe Baltimore uh, kind of – as they're playing so many high-level weeks, maybe it's their week to kind of just uh, – they, they don't have as good of a, a game. And, and I'd I like Deshaun anyway in this matchup. So, I'll let you go. Well, Bob, we're, uh, we're either going to be getting ourselves really close back to 500 together <laughs> or, or falling farther apart, uh, farther away from the 500 number. I, I, uh, I'm on Houston here, too. I think you mentioned that the third, uh, third rushing defense. Let's see, let's see how they stack up against Lamar. If anybody's going to stop them, it's going to be these guys. They also lead the league in forced fumbles, so if the, you know, they're running the ball a lot, maybe they can get a takeaway here. Um, and a side note, uh, under O'Brien, Houston is 4-1 coming off the bye week. 
So that's uh, that's an interesting um, point in this game. But I'm with you with the Texans plus four here. Okay, this is going to be a disaster. I can't wait. Let's get to the last 1 p.m. game on the schedule that we have. Oh, yeah. And it is uh, the Dallas Cowboys. They are minus four and a half traveling to our Leos, the Detroit Lions. And I was going to ask, you know, like we talked about Michigan State last week in terms of, like, the gambling lines and the spread. Like, I was like, are we too close to this? This doesn't seem – this seems odd. Uh, it's not as bad as that. I don't think it's as uh, extreme as that. But I thought this line, regardless of Stafford, would open at like seven. So, your thoughts? Yeah, I, I think. You know, look, there's no, there's no Stafford. Um, I think even if Stafford was playing, and the line was four and a half, I'd be. I'd be taking Dallas in this situation. Yeah. Um, Detroit's a, a bad team with staff. They're awful without them. Um, right. You you mentioned last week, you mentioned the Spider-Man meme with Minnesota and Dallas kind of beat up on on bad teams. Yeah. Um, that's that's true. It's a bad team. There's not much more to say. Dallas minus four and a half. I don't think we're too close to... Uh, I don't think we're too close to it here, I guess. Um did that surprise you? Yeah, yeah, I guess a little bit. But if Detroit was traveling to Dallas, you think they'd be double-digit dogs? Yes. Okay. I think I think it'd be closer to double-digit than it would be to six. Yeah. Well, if you add three, it's seven and a half. That's kind of where I was going. But if you think it's double-digits, that's. That's fair enough. Anyway, whatever. Detroit sucks. I, I, I get on the, the Stafford thing every week, and then there's just nothing to do it for. I'm just not very good at Dallas. I'm just going to die. Yeah. Look, and I, and I, I, I don't have any, like, you know, no one's having any inside info or anything, but I don't think he's going to play. I really don't. Um, this back injury has been rumored to, like, be out two, three weeks. Like, I, I just. So I don't, I don't know if I made that clear enough. He has not practiced yet this week, right? No, well, that's why I saw tonight. He's not practicing. So I, he's not going. I think the line is him not going. I don't think. I don't think he's playing, and that's what's even more confusing me. And that whatever doesn't matter. Last one happened. I would like to point out um, just how deficient Detroit is from a roster standpoint, um, because you do see this. We, we've seen this across the NFL. Look at the examples of Pittsburgh, Jacksonville, the Saints, Panthers, Indy, even the Chiefs uh, have had to deal with a backup quarterback situation, right, for a little stretch of time. Denver just got a win, right, and looked functional. Hell, even Chicago, who basically has a backup quarterback as a starter, um, they're they're somehow stringing together relatively relevant seasons. And you see this team without Stafford, and it is a disaster. Um, so I just it, it's another another hit I like to take on uh, Patricia and Quinn. I can't stand them. So um, yeah, 
Dallas minus four and a half. I, look, I could dive into this narrative right now about you, the teams you named and the quarterbacks they have on contract and how they went about doing that and putting pieces around uh, a younger quarterback on a smaller contract. And that's why they're able to stand up some other things around um, lesser that's, quarterbacks, which enables to win games. And instead, we went all in on a. That's not true. It's not a difference maker. Anyway, let's move it along. We get this every week. That's I think people are getting tired. Nice win by Michigan State, seventy six, seventy three over the Hall here to close out. By the way, I wasn't yeah. watching it, but I had it on my phone. Fantastic. All right, let's okay. get out of here. Let's get out of here. You're, you're wrong. Um, right. uh, Four o'clock games. We start with uh, in San Fran. Come off that Monday night game. Yeah. Uh, they uh, first loss of the season. Uh, they are minus 11 against the Arizona Cardinals. And I'll let you kind of take Yeah, I will. I'll take this over. Speaking of uh, CDS, check down staff, the last time these two teams played, I think it ended up like 28-25. But a lot of that was in what we should start to call it, changing from garbage time to Stafford time. I think that's how they pulled that close. Uh, <laughs> if I remember that game correctly, you got the 49ers, 49ers coming off that wild loss. The Seahawks, I don't see... Um, them having any issues here. I think they're going to be in a bounce-back situation. Also adding, the Cardinals are worse in the league in red zone scoring. They're only converting uh, touchdowns 34.3% of the times. And, and the 49ers are the best in the league in the red zone with 36.8, uh, only allowing touchdowns 36.8% of the time. So even if the Cardinals will move the ball and get there, I don't see them scoring. Um, I think we know the, the Cardinals defense is horrific. They rank 31st overall, 24th in rushing, 31st in pass. So big blow for the Niners. I'm I'm on uh, San Francisco minus 11. Yeah, even with no Kittle and maybe no um, Emmanuel Sanders, Emmanuel. Uh, I I'm in agreement. There was unfortunately I'm in another agreement with you. Uh, there was another 457 yards. Allowed Tampa's offense last week, 26 first downs. It's just something at this point in the season on defense. It's not correctable. You know, it's not like it, there's no coaching adjustment that can be made. It's just this is bad. It's a bad defense. Um, I think San Francisco can take advantage. Of the, they're well coached. Um, and I think, you know, I talk about that like little short bald Midwest guy um, uh, little Hall of Fame that I want to let people into and that defensive coordinator from the Niners that Robert Sala that guy he's he, he I, I might get him in there he's from Michigan um, he was on the Mar- Mich- Michigan State coaching staff in 2002 as a defensive assistant so um I, I, I think I might want him in. He's just this little maniac on the sidelines who every third down is, you know, yelling and jumping up and down. So he's enjoyable. So, yeah, uh, he's, he's a candidate. We'll get to him maybe in a couple of weeks for uh, his membership. So San Francisco minus 11 with both of us. Let's get to my. Here we go. We'll get a disagreement my, here. My disagreement. My Oakland Raiders. They are minus 10 and a half at home against I think we can both agree now that this team is they've crossed their midpoint heading straight into 0-16 um, I think they're the worst team in football, Cincinnati I think they've gone below Washington and Miami 
with that uh, beat down last week. So, I mean, this is a win for my Raiders. They're getting a six. I just got to give them a seven with, what, six games to go? I mean, this is this is quite the, quite the prediction for me. So, um, yeah, look, I'm Raiders. I'm on my Raiders minus tonight. I've got Finley on the road in the black hole. That's not going to go well. Um, I'll let you take over. Um, yeah, your your Raiders, um, your Raiders' largest margin of victory this year is eight, eight points. So I don't think they win this game by more than eight. And I've just now become anti Oakland because of you. So Cincinnati <laughs> plus ten and a half in games that, that just there's not much going on. You got to find a reason, and I found that reason. I'm anti Oakland now. Okay, well, I I mentioned in the open that all I have left is this and uh, my Rams narrative because that's the only thing I've gotten right. So, um, yeah, look, I'm going to continue pounding it. Uh, They're my Raiders. They're getting six wins, clearly on their way to seven. Uh, Who are we kidding? They may, who knows, maybe win the NFC West with the way this Chiefs with the way this Chiefs defense is playing. So, all right, let's get to uh, one of the more intriguing matchups of this slate. And it is the New England Patriots, 8-1, and one, minus 3.5. And, and they are traveling to Philadelphia to play the Eagles. The Eagles sitting now 5-4 on the season. Doctor, I think this is simply a show-me game for Philly. There has been lots of talk around this team um, two weeks ago about turmoil in the locker room and a lot of people talking about how they think they're, you know, they're still the Super Bowl team and they're delusional in a certain sense. Um, and just a lot of, a lot of uh, internal things that, that have been talked about. And they beat Buffalo pretty badly, come back home, beat Chicago uh, and do one thing that nobody has really done. And they run the football pretty well, which is impressive. So I think now right here at five and four, I go, okay, it's not a must win because the NFC East is such a disaster with Dallas losing that they're tied at five and four within the division. But for me to take them seriously as a contender, I at least need a good performance from them. I want to see, you know, 350 yards of offense. I want to see, you know, two, three offensive touchdowns. I want to see a good performance. So, um, I want you to just kind of respond to that and tell me your pick. Well, if, if you're going to ask a team to come up with a good performance against New England, you're you're asking a lot. You're you're borderline delusional. Uh, it's it's not happening, especially with the situation that New England's in. Look, you know my take on New England every week. It's, you don't do anything but take New England. Think about this: you got New England coming off a loss in Baltimore two weeks ago, so they've been just watching film nonstop. You had a little Super Bowl redemption for Billy on this one. I mean, you're telling the last two weeks in New England has been probably not good to be a player there. The attention to detail, the film study, those guys have been in deep. And they are looking to come out and just lay it on somebody. It doesn't matter who it is. It happens to be Philly and you're asking Philly to show up and put together performance. Not happening. Uh, a couple couple stats for the for the crowd out there. Uh, New England 36 and 16 against the spread following a loss under Billy. 
They're also 14-9-1 against the spread coming off by since 2005. So if you need another reason, there it is. New England minus three and a half. Bob, you're not going to be happy with your uh, – you're not going to be taking Philadelphia seriously after this week. If you're looking for them to perform this week. Look, that's perfectly fine. I, I accept that. I'm just saying that that's what, that's what I look at Philly as this week. Hey, I, and I, I know what you're saying. I know what you're saying, but how we treat all these teams, we got to treat them all fairly. You got to beat somebody good. I want to see you do somebody good. And so, Philly, you're at home. Uh, let's do it. Uh, New England has shown are, they're not unbeatable. You can beat them. So, uh, yeah. That said, who can beat them? Baltimore, one night. I, one night, look, Baltimore can beat them. Well, Why don't you wait next week? Wait till next week when Philly plays the Seahawks. Then, then give them their pass. But you got to give them a pass this week. They have no chance. Oh, there's no pass. I mean, even I said, yeah, even, if they, even if they lose, I want to see a good. They can lose if they perform well. No, they're not good. They're not going to perform well. If they, if they play, I want to see a good You're not game. listening. You're not listening. It's not happening. Move along to next week. I'm listening. And by the way, you fucking got my, my pick is the Pats, <laughs> you asshole. Okay? So, look. I, I think they have a very deficient matchup because. Their secondary uh, is going up against Philly's pass offense in a group of receivers that just, it's just a mismatch. So Philly right now ranks, they average 220 pass yards per game. That's behind Cleveland and the Giants, who have been very putrid offenses at this point in the season. So, look, I'm still taking the Pats. I think it's at least an intriguing matchup on the board. And, uh, yeah. Uh, we'll see where it goes, but past my three half is the pick. Uh, leave me alone. So, um, <laughs> the next game is I, I, I like this game. You know I love this. It's the Rams minus six and a half against Chicago. And I call this, this is what I call this, uh, Doctor. It's it's the, the window shut ball. That's what this is. The window has been slammed shut. I talked about this in the open which you haven't heard but um i i officially i boarded up the window for the rams last week stuck some nails in it and uh yeah did you do, did you do that because mcveigh put bortles in that quarterback on a play or did you do it because he ran the fake punt he did <laughs> that looked really bad i i, I did i uh, all, all of those reasons, and like I sent you in a message that we're a chat we're in. I said Rams defense nine points, Golf McBay three, three <laughs> points. And it, it's I'm sorry, it's 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 bad. Like it, it is bad, and and not only that, like Golf specifically looks not good. Like he looks all out of sorts. I know they're down Brandon Cook. But I think the girly thing is real, where they just can't generate any kind of, you know, difference-making run game, where it's helping this play-action kind of, you know, yeah. offense that they run. It's, it, no one's no one's faked out by it. So, um, yeah, look, uh, it's all I have left. Like I said, uh, it's it's my narrative. So, um, right. But you're going to put stock in, in Nagy and Mitchie? I mean, that's the question now. Well, you, you, you're familiar with the term 
that defense travels, right? <laughs> you may have, we may have talked about it once before. I think they <laughs> dig deep in my right. And the yeah. other, yeah. So defense travels, doctor, and also the other thing that we've brought before, and I'm not saying it's like a determining factor in any of this, like it's gonna, but this game on Sunday night is going to be flooded with Chicago fans that are trying to escape the Midwest in the horrifying, dreary, no sun and 30 degree temperatures we have. They're looking for an excuse to leave for anything. So they're going to be all over this game. They're, they're going to overtake the stadium. And when golf is getting tossed around like a rag doll by Khalil Mack, there's going to be all these weird cheers in the stadium. We're like, what is going on right now? It's going to be, it's going to be awkward. So, I am Chicago plus a six and a half, and I'm just going to let you uh, take over here. Yeah, I'm not. Um, <laughs> I, I'm still not ready to, to put any stock in, in Mitchie and, and Nagy doing anything. Um, even if the, the defense travels, it's not going to shut them out. Um, and I just I, I can't see the Chicago offense uh, well, doing t- anything. Pits- so, Pits- Pittsburgh shut them out. Um, anyway, I'm, going, <laughs> I'm giving the Rams one last hope. Speaking of traveling, let's move it along to Mexico City. <laughs> so, wait, you, know, that's what the game, you, you know that's what the game, the Kansas City Chargers game is, right? That's what I'm saying. That's where, that? e- that, that's where M&F is? Yeah, I'm, not, I'm 99% sure on that, yeah. Okay, I actually, I was, I did not see that this week. I did not think that was okay. So you can cut, you can cut that for yourself. I really don't. Uh, I don't. I let, don't care. Um, let, me, let me confirm that. Keep going. So yeah, we have M and F. Kansas City minus three and a half uh, at the L A Chargers, uh, but not Mexico at City style. Yeah, that's right. Mexico City. All right. Uh, they're six and four. Charters four and six, alive in the AFC West. Um, it you know sandwich in between, of course, is my Raiders at five and four. Uh, look, I think this Kansas City team is like they're like the reverse MSU. This defense is so bad, it could end up tearing this team apart. Um, and I you know last week it was just. A complete meltdown with the way they lost that game. It wasn't just the defense's fault. But um, before we get to the pick here, I brought up Deion Waiters earlier, Doctor. And I talked about, you know, his situation with the Miami Heat. He may be released uh, any day now. And as you know, right now we're about I think a year out from a presidential election. And this is when kind of the, the politics start to heat up and all this stuff. And you and I don't really get into it too much. Don't care. But we know like, you know, big things are like the economy and, you know, unemployment. You're going to hear all that stuff. Right. And so what I want to ask you based on what we've talked about for the previous games and Deanna waiters is who is going to be first in the unemployment line from their current job? Is it Deion Waiters, 
Sean McVay, Jared Goff, Mitch Trubisky, or Mark D'Antonio? Wow, Bob, that's, a, that's an interesting one. Well, I just found out, I don't think it'd be Deion Waiters because he can't release him because the franchise is operating under the hard cap and wouldn't have room to sign a player. So I don't think they're going to be able to release him. Oh, he's been okay. suspended for 10 games, so it's not going to be him. Um, <laughs> I, I don't know, Bob. I'm not, I'm not going to say the Antonio. <laughs> I'm not going to do it. <laughs> if golf goes to backup, does that, uh, does that count as unemployment? No, 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 not employed. Not employed by their current uh, employer. Uh, pass. I'm going to pass that question. <laughs> it's, 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 it's Trubisky. <laughs> it's Trubisky. <laughs> All right. So now we've gotten that out of the way. Let's get back to MNF, Kansas City at the Chargers. Um, I just talked about their defense a little bit. And, you know, I think when we talked about the Tennessee game last week, you know, you, you said you're on the Tennessee side. I went on the Kansas City side. I think. I don't think either was necessarily wrong. My my point was that I think there's value with well, somebody was wrong. I, let's 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 talk about that because I think my point was that I think there is value with Kansas City because I'm assuming he is back and they are going to be at the same level and he's going to be as advertised the Mahomes and he was he, they they were back the offense was fine uh there was nothing wrong with that he was making all those crazy plays that ridiculous jump pass he made on that 63 yard touchdown to mccall Hardman was ridiculous uh so i think there was value with him in that game and you know if you go back and look at regardless of the cover or not with 148 to go in the game uh they had a first and 10 at the tennessee 32 yard line up 32-27, their probability to win that game was 95%. And and then they went on to get the fourth down and had this ridiculous uh, field goal got blown up. And the bottom line is, look, even though the defense imploded, a lot had to happen for that to even get into the position where they fell apart defensively. Um, it was just kind of, I would say, more fluke than anything. Also, they gave up a defensive touchdown where Damian Owens was stripped of a fumble and in stride, a Tennessee Titan, uh, you know, running 20 miles an hour, picked up this ball. It was gone for a touchdown. So it's just kind of, those are very fortunate things that happen. Uh, and I think, I think it was true that they were back. They were the team that, they were with when Mahomes is healthy, and nine times out of ten, maybe they don't cover that game, but they definitely win it. So, um, yeah, I, I'm I'm going to take Kansas City here minus three and a half and uh, kick the tires there. I'll let you go. Uh, good, good narrative, good, good narrative there. Um, did you Great. put an L in the column after that game or a W? It would, hey, look, it is what it is. It is what it is. But anyway, si- I, I well, similar, similar. Back. Hold on, S- similar, similar, like Green Bay, Carolina. Look. Was that an L for Carolina? Sure, but 
again, it was six inches away from going the other way. It, it's was, six inches in front of your face, Bob. It's the six inches in front of your face. Get out of here. Was, was anybody wrong about what they said about anything? I don't necessarily think that's true. That, 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 that's important. Anyway, uh, I think they're fully back this week, and you know the Chargers are the Chargers. I'm, I'm Kansas City here. Um, minus two and a half. Mahomes is finally back, back. And it's the six inches in front of your face, Bob. <laughs> six inches. All right. That's fantastic. Well, let's see. Living and dying. <laughs> We're losing. All right. Let's. Uh, there you go. There you go. It took you that long to get there. Let's. Let's get to. Um, and by the way, real quick, sorry, Bob. That's any given Sunday for people that don't know. That's what that is. So I mean, so let's call that out for some of the people. They should, but you never know. Never know. Yeah. All right. So let's get to the Power Five. That's where should we're we at. Should we rename this like the the not the, Power Five, the Week Five? <laughs> anyway, yeah. Stupid. Okay, cut that, please. Right. No, I, I, it should, have, it should, it should have a due name. Um, yeah, the, 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 take the opposite five. Um, yeah. fade all right. Five. Or fade five. That's it. Or fade five. Fade five. All right. Fade five. Uh, I am Dallas minus four and a half. And I hate to do that. I hate to bring the Leos into this, but it's, it's too good. So, um, my Raiders minus ten and a half. I'm going to, Run back, Kansas City and Carolina. Kansas City minus three and a half. Carolina minus five and a half. And then I'm sticking to my narrative. Bears plus six and a half. Wow. All right. Yes. Well, we, don't, we don't have any conflicting stuff here. I, I got, uh, I'm with you on Dallas minus four and a half. I got the Saints minus five and a half. Uh, San Francisco minus 11. Uh, the New England Patriots minus three and a half, and Mahomes back back finally. KC minus three and a half. There it is. So many favorites. So many favorites. Um, hopefully that trend of the dogs just running the show this week uh, reverts, and, and we uh, we catch it on the right time. So. Uh, this was, uh, again, this is great. Uh, looking forward to another fun weekend. Any parting shots for you, Doctor? Hey, have fun in Chicago and go green. Go green indeed. Yeah, go green. Looking forward to the bachelor party I will be at. At least I'll be amongst friends when we can all uh, kind of take in the misery together of this Spartan season. Twitter, Instagram, at SportsPodHookup. To see this episode, episode 14 of Swipe Right Sports, I'm your host, Bobby Adcock, DSRR, download, subscribe, rate, review, iTunes, all your favorite listening platforms, and just good luck, good luck to everyone out there who is uh, 
plane, the NFL games, college football, DFS, of course. And we will be back next week. And be sure to wish me luck and hope I improve on my Power 5 picks and don't have any uh, gummy overdoses like Dion Waiters this weekend. <music>